The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. By now, you should know that Crosswinds is my number one choice of golf courses to play. Oh, I've played other courses, but I always come back to Crosswinds. You want to know why? It's the people. They want you to enjoy yourself. They want you to have a wonderful experience at Crosswinds, a pleasurable one. Customer service is number one at Crosswinds. From the time you drive in to the folks at the pro shop, the marshals, the servers, the starter, the maintenance people, all friendly, all helpful. And it doesn't hurt that the course is in fabulous shape and the views are to die for. Billion dollar views at Crosswinds. But why take my word for it? Experience public golf at its finest Go to crosswindsgolf.com, book your tee time today. It's in Burlington, it's not far from where you are, and it's worth the drive. Wait, I've heard that line before somewhere. I might have to steal it. <laughs> Hope to see you at Crosswinds soon. Now, Mike, let's start the podcast. Did you fade the music before I started talking? I anticipated because I'm not looking at you now. I'm anticipating. Live from Toronto, it's Hebsey on Sports. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our 238th episode. Woo. Man, if we got a hot one for you today, Les Canadiens sont là. Let's ride in the streets, even though we've only won the Clarence Campbell Bowl. There's a lot of irony weaved into that if you're a Montreal follower at all, but still, it was a weird night last night. But the Habs are going to the Stanley Cup final if you care. The Blue Jays have won five straight ever since rookie Alec Manoa bopped a Baltimore player and then challenged the whole team to a fight. The Jays have been unstoppable. Yesterday, Gurriel with a grand salami. Vladdy retakes the home run lead with his 24th. Ooh, it's exciting to be a Blue Jays fan. But what happened to George Springer? Injured again? You can't tell me he was being rested after just two games in the outfield. He caught one fly ball. Never got a hit. Why wouldn't you play him against the Orioles to break out of his hitting slump? What does he need rest for after two games in the outfield? What's it all about? Is he hurt again? I want the truth. In the NBA, the Clippers trimmed the Suns. See where I went there? Clippers trimmed the Suns. Leads to 2-1 in the Western Finals. While this weekend promises to be wild at Euro 2020. Tennis, golf, we've got a major TV sports personality who thinks Kevin Love is the token white player on the U.S. Olympic basketball team, and why wouldn't they have the guts to send an all-black team? Maybe he should get his facts straight. Maybe he should do a little research before he goes off and starts this racist war in sports. It seems to rear its ugly head like almost every day. I'm getting tired of it. This and plenty more to discuss today, but first let me send out birthday wishes to my mother. Sylvia Hebsher is 89 years old today. Wow. 89 Woo. today. I'm taking oh. her a cake later on. Hope she's not listening right now. No, she wouldn't know. She doesn't know about podcasts. Wouldn't know. I've explained it to her 20 times. She just has this blank look on her face. But she's one of the reasons I got into sports. Her and my dad, because on their honeymoon, they went and saw three baseball games in New York on their honeymoon. So that must have planted the seeds, so to speak, right? Like, you know, come on, Ebbets Field, the Polo Grounds, Yankee Stadium, let's have kids. Maybe maybe, maybe one of them will become, you know, a, a sports fan. There's DNA that suggests that this, you know, that one of these kids is going to like really be into sports. I'm surprised you weren't named like George Herman Hebsher or something like that. <laughs> Duke. Duke, Duke Hebsher, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That's right, that's right. Mickey, 
That's right. Now I'm going to sing the song. <laughs> but happy birthday, Sylvia uh, Hebsher, 89 years young. That's awesome, buddy. That's yeah. awesome. And how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, yeah. back to normal, I'd say, 100%. Uh, following, you know, my, got my second vax last Tuesday. So uh, I know people that have really suffered, like two days of it's a crap shoot, eh? fever. I know someone who went to the hospital. Oh, my God. That's how bad their reaction was. What I've noticed is, because I'm always curious about people's reactions, I've noticed it's a complete crapshoot. Like, people will get the same combination and be, like, the same age or whatever, and one will have, like, no symptoms. Oh, my arm hurt a little bit. And then there's another person who's, like, knocked on their ass for five days. Like, it's completely, it seems completely uh, difficult random. to predict. Random, yeah. Yeah, very difficult. And it's not <clears throat> specifically this particular vaccine. Right. Oh, don't take the Moderna. You heard what happened to <laughs> Myrna. She was in the hospital for five days. <laughs> You know, now, me, I took the, I had the Pfizer double shot. I was lifting weights, you know, within an hour. Well, you're <clears> a super, anyway, Superman. I will say though, that uh, my daughter who's turning 17 has to take Pfizer. Like that's the only one that they said she's right. allowed to take. So other yeah, you're right. Otherwise you take the first one you can get, I would think. Well, it's getting better out there. It's becoming closer to normal. I know that there's still people saying, be careful, this particular variant or that one, but Feeling better. It's going to be a good summer, I think. By the way, you look really good, Mike. And I'm wondering if you've been using your lawnmower 4.0. Oh, you can see that. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I can tell that you're well-groomed. So I'm going to assume that below the waist, you're also well-groomed. Well, yeah, you know, I've been using it. Like, I'm not going to talk yeah. about using something unless I'm legit using it. And it is revolutionary. Uh, my balls thank me on the daily. It's like the first thing I hear in the morning is my balls saying, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And uh, yeah, the man's, I'm using the uh, lawnmower 4.0. That's the one right. I'm using. Because I used the uh, promo code Hebsey when I uh, checked out at manscaped.com. You got 20% off? Yeah, it's, a good, it's the best deal in town. All right, so listen, they've got fantastic stuff. Mike's telling you about the Lawnmower 4.0. Me too. Your balls will thank you. Oh. And uh, and your 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 partner will thank you as well. Let's face it, okay? <laughs> people like uh, Should I go get like Mo I'll get Monica to are... come on the other mic? She'd love to talk well about it. Down there. <laughs> yes. Hey, do you want Monica's to... <laughs> testimonial will will carry a lot of weight for sure. Oh my god. Anyway, um go to manscaped.com uh, and use the promo code Hebsy H E B S Y for twenty percent off your order. All right. Yeah. And thanks, thanks for uh, letting me wet my whistle and uh, they're very pleased with the response. A lot of you have already purchased product and used the promo code, and thank you for that. Yeah, thank you we for uh, supporting Hebsey on Sports and Mark Hebsher here. He's a, he's a legend. Uh, I just want to say hi, quick hi, hello, before you get rocking and rolling here. Dr. Hockey says hi. Gene Valitis is saying hello from beautiful British Columbia. So I don't think it, he could drive to uh, Crosswinds. I think he's going to have to fly. I'm not sure. But uh, Dr. Hockey, he'll, yeah. come, he'll be back this summer. He'll come back to Toronto. He yeah, can't he's got not, family here, right? especially if the Blue Jays are coming back Paul Hawkyard, uh, he's a very excited Habs fan, so he says happy Habs Friday. He's very yeah. excited. Yeah, see you around, Paul. Maybe <laughs> you want to listen to another show today. Well, Paul, Brian Gerstein as well, big Habs guy. Oh, he's God. excited. All the Montrealers. Uh, Daniel Finkler says good morning. He just got home from work, and he's listening to us, and he has uh, uh, the practice for the Styrian Grand Prix on the television in the background. So the what? Styrian, oh. S-T-Y-R-I-A-N. Is this a word? I guess it is. Styrian Grand Prix. That's what it's called. Okay. It's called Mike Kerr says, good morning. I know I'm almost done here. KM says, go Jays, go. Wayne Brown says, good morning. Moose Grumpy says, good morning. And yeah, uh, KM just points out, and you'll get to it, but he says that was a very boring hockey game last night. He says, uh, he yeah, hopes they get chance. So. I don't know. And, I, I, I kind of think Habs fans <laughs> might disagree. Right. And Phil and Parkinson way, Mike, says, uh, yeah. good morning. That's yeah. it. 
And so, yeah, the, so the Styrian Grand Prix, it's not a misprint. It's not the Syrian Grand Prix. The Styrian Grand Prix is in Austria. Okay, cool. Austria. So they're practicing yeah. and he's, wa- he's yeah. listening to us and watching that. Yeah. Guess who showed up about 15 minutes ago? Oh, Milo. Um, Otis. Milo. I <laughs> Milo. <laughs> That's good. Otis. Yeah. Yeah, I'm making my uh, making my coffee and um, up on the windowsill like he used to all the time when he wanted to come in was Otis. And uh, I've got the um, the blinds louvered so that he can't see in. But, you know, I can if I tilt, look down, I can see him. Wow. Do you know what I mean? You know that yeah. behind Venetian blinds, you can just angle them, louver them a certain way that they can't see. I like at that all. word, louver. So OK, I'm yeah. watching him and I'm watching him going and he's like, you know, he's where is everybody? And he's meowing and and. Uh, I'm thinking of letting him in and I know I can't let the cat in because he doesn't live here anymore and we can't start that all over again. So I open the door quickly. And as he tries to run in, I grab him, you know, by the scruff of the neck, which you do with cats, lift him up and I'm petting him and I'm giving him a kiss on the head. How's it going? And he's, well, I want to go inside and I won't let him in. So I, I got a little cuddle for about 15 seconds okay. and then he just wiggled away and I let him go and he hung out on the driveway for a while and then I didn't see him. Okay. Shout he showed out, up. Shout out to Otis. Yeah, he's doing good and he's well groomed and he's happy from what I can tell. So there's your Otis update right there. Okay. Toronto Maple Leafs fans can take solace in the fact that their team gave the Montreal Canadiens the toughest series of all. Right. We took them to seven games. Never mind that they were trailing three games to one. We forced Montreal to a seventh game. Did we not? Hepsi, we That's two, how tough the Leafs were. Two games in I mean, overtime. Winnipeg, fair, four straights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Shifley got uh, kicked out. Blah, blah, blah. We lost Tavares. We lost Muzzin. We took Montreal to seven. Seven. Okay? Winnipeg was nothing. In Vegas, they knocked off in six. So Leaf fans can sit up a little prouder now. Stand with your chest out, even though your, your compadres, your Montreal fans, your friends are going, yeah, we're going to the cup final. You can say that your team gave Montreal the biggest battle, right? Which means nothing. Like, it means nothing to me as a Leafs fan. Well, you just, I just (laughs) poured my heart out here. No, sorry. And you're saying it means nothing. Yeah, it means nothing to me. We took them to seven games. When it's all said and done, when they win the cup, they're going to go, you know, that Toronto series was the toughest. We don't want to play them again. Look, I'm looking for some light at the end of the tunnel, a sliver of light that's louvers (laughs) through, I don't know, something. But for crying out loud, if, you were, if you're a Montreal fan and you're in the province of Quebec and it's Saint-Jean-Baptiste, okay? Le fête nationale maintenant! Les Canadiens sont là! What a day to be a Quebecer. You're just coming out of this pandemic. The weather's beautiful. Your team has got a chance to go to the finals. And it's a holiday, a reason to, to party. Les Glorieux! <laughs> Magnifique. <laughs> Fantastic. Good for them. They knocked off the pesky Vegas Golden Knights in the Western Conference Final. The what? That's right. They won the Clarence Campbell Bowl. The what? The Clarence Campbell Bowl? If you mention Clarence Campbell and Montreal Canadiens in the same breath, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get the history of the Montreal Canadiens. You're going you're gonna to get the history of the quiet revolution in Quebec and how Clarence Campbell, Anglophone that he was, suspended the great Maurice Richard in 1955 on St. Patrick's Day for the rest of the season in the playoff. I'm sorry I'm talking that way, but that's... <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the way it was explained to me by, by Francophones. Sure. 
right? Who don't, who English isn't their mother tongue. So they speak like that. I, I'm not making fun. I'm that, I'm giving you, this is the way they spoke you, this, you Campbell, you, you, you English pig dog, you taking our Maurice Richard, the great Maurice Richard, the legendary um, leader of the French Canadian people. Right. He's the greatest scorer in hockey and he's French Canadian. Got it? Yep. This, Cl this Clarence Campbell guy, this Anglophone of all Anglophones. I mean, if ever the expression old white guy uh, was perfectly suited for someone, it would be Clarence Campbell. But not from a racial standpoint, old white guy, meaning, you know, Anglophone white guy. Right. Anyway, so that whole history there. Like some of these Montreal fans, like Robert Benzie of the Toronto Star, who's a nice guy, is a Hab fan, is saying, oh, the Habs, the fact that the Clarence Campbell Bowl is there and he died 37 years ago and he was the one who kicked Maurice Richard out and he couldn't win the scoring title and blah, 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 all that stuff. They all bring this stuff back, Clarence Campbell Bowl, because the Habs have never won it before because the Habs have never played in the Western Conference before, but this year is all far the rules scheduling and North versus South and East and West. The North is part of the West, I guess. I guess the Northern and the Western Conference would be, that's the Western Conference. You're fighting for the Clarence Campbell Bowl. And every other year, the Habs are fighting for the Prince of Wales trophy. Both trophies mean nothing. Exactly. In fact, there's so many fucking trophies in hockey. I'm sick of it. No other sport has so many trophies. You know, in the NBA, there's no trophy for the Western Conference winner and the Eastern Conference winner. You know what I mean? They don't win the John Havlicek trophy and the Rick Barry trophy. They don't. It's a trophy, and you get like a you get a little ribbon, and you get a a cup or something like that. You get a pennant. But think I guess. about it. Only in hockey are there like you got a. I don't even remember the names of all the trophies. Okay, there's the Hart, the Art Ross. Oh, it's not the Art Ross anymore. It's the Rocket Richard Trophy. That's right. It's the Rocket Richard Trophy. Should have been the Rocket Richard Trophy a long time ago. Fucking Anglophones wouldn't let us change the name of it. <laughs> Who the fuck was Art Ross? I mean, think about all of this stuff that goes through it. Anyway. Love it. Harry Price should have a trophy named after him. Even if he never wins a Stanley Cup, and I think the Habs will beat either Tampa or the Islanders because of a Carey Price. Because at the beginning of the playoffs, I told you, right? And I think I mentioned chapter and verse, the goaltenders that have single-handedly won Stanley Cups. Single-handedly. And Carey Price is that guy from the very beginning. I said, how are the Leafs going to get beat? There's only one way is if Carey Price gets into their heads. Bum. And Winnipeg, Carey eh, Price. And did he do anything last night, Carey Price, to preserve a victory? And of course he did at the key time, okay? With Vegas just absolutely swarming. Here's Carey Price, cool as a cucumber, okay? Cooler than the other side of the pillow, whatever you want to say. <laughs> that one goal that they scored where it was, he sort of lost sight of it. It was deflected and he couldn't quite catch it and they scored in a rebound. And even when they did, it barely kind of got through his legs. It kind of went off his jersey and trickled in. I said, Right there, I said, he's not going to allow another goal. There's, he's just not. And you, you see him, you can tell. And I think the Vegas players could tell as well. Oh, we're not going to beat this guy. We, we can't. They kept trying to pick that top corner. They kept trying to make perfect shots. They, how many times did they miss the net with great chances? Because they're trying to make a perfect shot because they know that Carey Price is going to stop any shot that isn't perfect. That's exactly what happened. By the way, Riot police were out in full force. Now, this isn't to win the Stanley Cup. This is just to win the Clarence Campbell Bowl. This is just to get to the Stanley Cup. Riot police in full force. Fans and players were forced to stay inside the Bell Center for a good half hour after the game. 
so that the crowd outside could be controlled, which they weren't because you're always going to get in a mob scene. People who never in a million years would even think of doing any destruction at all. But since they're in amongst hundreds or thousands of others, they get caught up in it and they do shit that they would never do, like turn over police cars. What the fuck? And I'm not saying this wouldn't happen in Toronto or Winnipeg or Vancouver. Well, for sure it would happen in Vancouver. I don't know. Of course it would. You're just going to get, you know, young people out there, part of a mob mentality where they're not thinking clearly. They're just going with the flow. Right. And I'm I'm not talking about a celebratory parade like they had with the Raptors that was planned and everything. I'm talking about when the victory occurs. When the Raptors won the title in Toronto, people were dancing in the streets, honking their horns, waving flags, coming up to people in intersections, hugging, kissing. There was no destruction. There was one guy that grabbed a big plant, right? Right. The plant man. The plant man. That was it. (laughs) Oh, those Torontonians. Whoa. They're wicked, man. The guy grabbed a plant, right? You mean he didn't turn over any police cars? No, no, no. And especially nowadays, the dislike for the police, just in general. And, and when people see what other people do during demonstrations, you know, regardless of what the demonstration is for, you get that many people together in close contact, all right, you're going to get a few rabble rousers. Come on, let's go turn over a couple of cop cars, loot a couple of stores. Let's go. So what was the damage last night? Like I, I, I watched the overtime and then I turned off the TV and I haven't actually yeah. checked in on the world since then. Know. But uh, like, like what? So one cop car got turned over. Is that what happened? I don't know? You know, obviously anybody that had a phone, which is everybody, recorded whatever they thought would be. And I haven't gone through it because to me, you're going to get skirmishes in that. From what I understand there, nobody was seriously injured. No one was killed. Property damaged if it's 250,000 or (laughs) 2.5 million or whatever. I argue that if your team gets to the final for the first time since 93, you're entitled to flip one police car like that. Well, we'll give you one. Yeah. Oh, no one. We don't know. You're not allowed to hurt anybody. We don't want anyone killed or hurt police car you get so you get to flip one is, empty police car that's your so what you're telling you me get. is the uh, montreal police should have uh gotten the old cop cars the ones that were going <laughs> to end up going to the scrapyard and right. just put them out on the streets yeah, you know if you want to turn one yeah. over turn over that 1989 right. crown victoria we're not going to use anymore bingo give them that like okay. that honey pot here and say go nuts that's your that's your reward you're going well, to the stanley that's cup not a bad idea as long as it's done in a controlled environment and nobody gets hurt I guess that's okay. Right. That's what but uh, yeah, that save by Carrie. That that yeah. save Carrie Price made on Wait, Max Pacioretty. The, sho- the shoulder save. Which one are you talking about? No, no, this, no. Okay. That was that. This was late in regulation. Oh, okay. The shoulder save was okay. just before the goal. Right. I think yes. it was um, right before the goal. I think it was uh, Martinez from the point. Yeah, it was like Martinez. Five seconds. Yeah, before and the he goal. took it like up in the collarbone or something. <laughs> yeah. Like that. yeah. But he made a save on Max Pacioretty. Right. Right. That he made it look so easy. He came right out of the blue paint, cut the angle down, gave him nothing to shoot at, and I went. No, there's not. They're not going to beat Carrie Price. They're just not going to. And Matt Pat, Pacioretty's like shaking his head going, oh, shit. Hebsy, I got to say, as a Leaf, do you have, like, are you almost haunted a little bit about the overtime of game five and six? Because if you remember, we're up three to one, and then we go to overtime two games in a row. Mm-hmm. Were we, in one of those overtimes, I remember we kind of dominated the way Vegas we was going to. Yeah. And it was two really think- foolish individual plays that right. led directly to Montreal goals. But- one was the spinorama by Galchenyuk just inside the Montreal blue line and the blind pass to the point that right. led to a two man breakaway. Yeah. The two and oh, right. Yeah. The other right. one was Travis Dermott, who I don't know why tried to spin around it in his own zone when he didn't have to and gave the puck directly to um, again, to Montreal that led to the goal. But this is two why we love egregious errors, at least all season long. <clears throat> I mean, those are right up there with, uh, with Fleury's mistake, the goalie, right? 
which was just, I mean, they had the lead. They were, there's two minutes to go or whatever it was. An incredible, and Montreal, mm -hmm. fortuitous is a word that Danny Gallivan would use. Mm -hmm. Completely fortuitous. I mean, you, you just you hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. Let them make a mistake. Boom. Pay for it. The other thing is, I believe they've killed, Montreal's killed like 35 consecutive uh, uh, power plays. You wow. can't score on the power play. You may as well decline the penalty <laughs> against Montreal. Right, right. Playing fantastic. Absolutely great. Um, did you notice somebody missing last night on the Hockey Night in Canada telecast? I did not, but I know you did. First of all, I love the outfit Cassie Campbell was wearing last night. She looked like a leather Tuscadero. She had that. She had like this gold colored Penny? leather jacket Penny on. Penny Tuscadero. Penny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not Pinky. Her Pinky. sister Leather. Oh, her, played her by sister. Quattro. Oh my God! Yeah, Great reference. Tuscadero. What a reference! A happy choose. days reference, folks. Of course, of course. But anyway, I'm. You know, I paid more attention to the clothes because they're on like every night. You know, Elliot's got the hair going, and he's got the you know the nice blue suits. Everyone's going with the blue suits. Uh, and on Blue Jay Central too, Jamie and Joe, everybody's got the blue. Well, they suits. got the blue they eyes. Really good. It, it, They've got that. The blue yeah. eyes pop with the blue Look. suits. Yeah. But no Kevin Bieksa last night. Didn't you want to hear Kevin Bieksa's comments? I mean, isn't he the best commentator? He wasn't there. Where was he, Hebsey? Like, well, do you know anything? Tell me. Here's the thing. On the previous broadcast, okay. I don't know if you caught this or not, but on Montreal's winning goal, I think it was, might have been the tying goal. Uh, Corey Perry made a beautiful pass, sort of a backhanded pass. And at the time, Chris Cuthbert said, well, Perry was at, the, at, was at the end of the shift, was dog tired, end of the shift, and kind of made one of those passes where I can't skate anymore. I'm just going to sort of flip it out front and hope that my teammate's there. So when Cuthbert called the play, he said, look at Corey Perry at the end of the shift. So when they got to the intermission and they throw to Kevin Bieksa, and you never know what Bieksa is going to say, which is half the fun. Right. Bieksa says, uh, sorry, Chris Cuthbert, but uh, Corey Perry had just come off the bench. He wasn't at the end of a shift. So he, he corrected Cuthbert, and I went, wow, that's very perceptive and kind of dangerous, too. And wonder how I would feel if I were Cuthbert. Or was I okay in being corrected? I would have in that case because I was wrong and he was right. He pointed out that, that Perry had just jumped off the bench. He looked tired at the end of the shift, but he wasn't. But it's sort of like, you know, nobody would ever do that with Bob Cole, would they? Like, would Cherry even say, or McLean ever say, you know, hey, Bob was wrong there. He, Or would the guys from the hot stove, Al Strachan or Eric DeHashik or those guys, would they ever say, oh, you know, Bob Cole made a mistake there. He said so-and-so was at the end of the shift, and he wasn't. Never, never, ever, ever question what the play-by-play -play guy Really? Said. Even if the play-by-play -play guy gets it wrong? You can't, you can't deliver you the heard, real no, talk. No, I'm saying, had you ever heard any commentator oh. ever say that the play-by-play -play guy well you know was wrong when he did this he was incorrect i can't remember maybe not yeah, jamie not campbell or joe siddle ever said oh well buck blew that one he was wrong he said no or dan blew that one never right ever so wait let me just unpack so this. kevin bxa goes out and i'm telling you he said sorry chris but perry had just come off the bench he wasn't at the end of the shift right and he sort of apologized he did he sort of said sorry chris i don't mean to point this out but I'm your my job is to look at certain highlights and point certain things out. and I'm pointing out here that that while you may think that Perry was at the end of the shift and was dog tired and made the pass that way I need to point out that he wasn't at the end of the shift he had just come off the bench so that wasn't one of those passes where I'm dog tired I want to get rid of it are you suggesting Mr. Hebshire that uh they suspended 
Bieksa for calling out Chris Cuthbert in that manner? I think it's possible. Wow. I think they said, you know what, you know what, Kevin, you need a night off. Wow. You need a night off. Uh, you're going to be part of the Stanley Cup final anyway. Or you would have been part of game seven if the game was uh, the Habs lost and it went to Vegas. But maybe you should take a night off. I hope that's not and true. Maybe Cuthbert said, or maybe someone said something. He said, hey, you can't have Kevin Bieksa, you know, uh, correcting the play-by-play guy, Chris Cuthbert. Can't do that. Now, just for the record, though, this is I'm uh, only throwing speculative. It okay, so this we I'm don't only, have any why confirmation wasn't he on this story. Okay, because that's How, bullshit. When was the last time Don Cherry or any of those guys uh, didn't wasn't there for Hockey Night in Canada? Took the night off in the middle of the Stanley Cup semifinals. It's never happened. He's either sick, he's too ill to appear in front of the you know the camera in his library in California, or he was told maybe you should take the night off, Chris. Hebsey. I mean, not Chris, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, you mean, yeah, of course. Kevin. Because normally it's okay. Kevin, Kelly, uh, um, what's her name? Um, Jennifer. Jan- Jennifer Botterill, right? Uh, Elliot. Elliot, who, by the way, for a guy with a... David, gro- all, uh, David, um, <laughs> David Amber. Yeah, David Amber, of course. For, but two, two quick thoughts. One is, uh, I hope that's not true with all my heart because I would, I would hate well, to why think... Why do you think he wasn't there? I can't even begin to speculate, but... If they suspend- well, let's say he asked for the night off. He says, I don't want to work that night. I want to be with my kids. Well, maybe say, he's oh, got sure, a, Kevin, does he have a no kid graduating all. high school or something? Maybe. I have no idea what he's got going maybe. on there. But if this line, I'm going to quote you, you give me the quote. Sorry, Chris, but Perry had just come off the bench. So he wasn't at the end of his shift. If that gets you suspended, well, then th- it's all like, there's no hope. There's no hope to have any personality or character or say anything interesting at all. How vanilla and bland. So if that is true, that's just Correct the him. worst news. I hope that's Correct not true. on the air, which I've never, I'd never heard before but he, you in, tell in me anyone civil manner, watching, you know? has anyone ever heard a commentator on the broadcast you know between periods or at halftime or whatever the sport is say uh, oh by the way we want to correct something that like the play-by-play guy would do it if it was pointed out to him for example if bx had said to the producer tell chris that perry wasn't at the end of the shift and then right. chris came out for the third period and said oh and by the way you know i wanted to point something out correct myself that that great pass by Corey Perry. He wasn't at the end of the shift. And thanks to Kevin Bieksa for pointing it out. Sure. Would that not be a better way to do it? Okay, maybe. But remember, NHLPA and all that, like Bieksa and uh, longtime saying, uh, Perry union member. He's going to pre- call out sure. your number one play-by-play guy. Take some balls to say, and by the way, he was wrong in order to get your point across. If Mark Messier he does that on he ESPN, never pointed that out. he's not getting suspended. You know what I mean? Like if Messier calls Mike, out, yeah, go ahead. He could have never pointed that out at all. And you'd still think Kevin Bieksa was a great commentator. But he felt the need to correct Chris Cuthbert and inform the audience of what really happened on that play. Which might be the first interesting thing said on that panel in 2021. Mm-hmm. And he gets suspended for that. Like, I'm just saying, I all we I do is... Say, I know. I never said he got suspended. Oh, I never said that. You said he might have you're got suspended. You're saying he got No, suspended. you're speculating. You're, you don't know definitively. I, I'm saying he wasn't there. What right. could be the reason? Okay. Maybe maybe he has a family obligation. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I just hope that's... But I'm I just saying, I hope that's not the reason. Okay. I never heard anybody say, oh, by the way, Kevin BX is not joining us. I, now, I missed the beginning of the, <clears throat> the panel, so I don't know if David Amber or Ron McLean, <clears throat> excuse me, pointed it out. I don't know if they said, oh, and by the way, here's Kelly, here's uh, Cassie, here's uh, Jennifer, uh, here's uh, whatever, uh, but Kevin's not with us tonight. 
Can I ask I didn't you, hear that. And if, and if I'm wrong, please, someone correct me. Can I ask you a question? He's not about, here. He's got other obligations or he's watching his son graduate or whatever the hell it is. Right. But I'm going to just pick up. I hear on, otherwise, uh, yeah. I'm concerned okay. as to why Kevin Bieksa was not available for game six of the Stanley Cup semifinals. He's been on every single night since the beginning of the playoffs. I believe. I don't believe he's missed any games. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you caught that, and we'll have to follow up on that story. But I'm I, just saying. I'm going to pull it a thread, Did though. I not tell you also yeah. Yeah. about changes at the fan morning show last week? Oh, okay. Can I ask a quick question about the panel before we get to the yeah, thing? Yeah. Real quick, 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 quick. Picking up a thread that was uh, KM dropped in the chat here, which I, I think is uh, interesting. He points out something I've noticed as well. Uh, you remember we talked about Brian Burke always looked so miserable on that panel? He just looked miserable. Like, that was his curmudgeon persona or whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's the real him, but... I never liked it because it's like, why does this guy look like he's like he's being tortured here, whatever? And somebody, Cam, points out that Elliot Friedman has assumed a lot of that persona. He kind of comes in now as, uh, I'll use his words, but he looks, this is what Cam wrote, he looks miserable all the time. Do you think Elliot's kind of assuming the Brian Burke grumpy guy on the panel persona? Uh, that's a tough one. I think Elliot is uh, underused, underutilized. He's so good and he's got such good contacts. And to me, when he comments on something, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't brush it off as, Oh, he's, he's being emotional about this or he's not, you know, he's going off half cocked about something. He, he he's a pretty balanced yeah. guy. And certainly look, he, Elliot's the type of guy, listen, you, you know, I don't, I don't like to bring this up, but you know, Elliot made this huge mistake, you know, in the swimming sure, huge. in the Olympics and, and could have really, you know, it could have really, uh, affected anyone else's career. But I think in Elliot's case, you know, not that people gave him a pass. People understand how difficult something like that would be. I don't think anyone went, oh, come on, it's easy to call a swim race. You can't, eight lanes of swimmers. You, It's hard to go count, like, you know, from the top, four down from the top, that's her lane or whatever. Really difficult, especially right. in the heat of the, you know, running for a gold medal. Right. And so um, I, I think Elliot is... Um, as well-respected a journalist broadcaster as anyone in this country and maybe in North America. He, he just, you know, he's got an excellent reputation. He doesn't make factual errors. That particular error while he was calling swimming sure. was, I wouldn't say that's a factual. I just, I, I don't he, think he got confused in the moment. And yeah. Uh, and, and I think most people it. would, I think most people would even professional broadcasters. That's tough. It happens. Sure. I watched but that live. Man, he bounced back from it and he's a good broadcaster. And so, it's like, what do we do with Elliot? Do we make him a grumpy old man? Do we make him the expert? Do we, you know, how do we pursue this? You know, and, and, and Elliot's got a great reputation. And so you don't want to play with that and turn him into, you know, uh, a guy that has to make these offhanded comments or, uh, you know, something that people go, well, what's he saying there? Like, you know, controversial stuff. I don't think he, he's built for the controversial stuff. That, that's just me. He, he gets it factually correct. He tells a good story. He's got excellent contacts. He presents very well. And obviously, he's an experienced broadcaster. He's done everything. He's done like almost every sport. He's interviewed people post-match, pre-match. He's done commentary. He's done play-by-play, Olympics. So I give him a huge pass. Sure, he put in the reps. Yeah, he put in the work. Cool. Okay, now I'm very curious about the Fan 590 Morning Show because you gave yeah. us a big clue last week and you were, you were on to something there. Give us, the, give us the goods. Well, I think you have to look at what they expect from this station and sports radio in general and how far Rogers is willing to go to spend money uh, to get 
the right people on the air and, and to promote these shows. So, you know, the morning show has been an issue, I guess, you know, we've gone over the morning show numbers are low at the fan and at 1050 and the morning teams have been there for a few years now. You know, you're looking at Michael Landsberg and Carlo Koliakovo on TSN 1050 and Scott MacArthur with Mike Zygamanis. And up until I guess the end of this week or today, today, uh, Hugh Burl. Uh, who's been doing the sports updates for many years since, you know, well before these two guys were on the show. Right. So Hugh's leaving of his own. He's going to work for Golf Town. Uh, good for him. Corporate communications, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. He knows good when, to, he knows when to jump. That's a smart move, I yeah. think. Yeah. And so do you see the writing on the wall? Well, I can't say, but I, I would think probably that he probably figured that they were going to make some changes with new management coming in and all that stuff. And so... That's sort of been the ongoing rumor that they're going to make changes. What changes and in what order are these changes and who is going to be affected? Hugh is number one. Zygomanis is back on the air. I don't know. And with the summer coming, you know, especially on these stations, they bring in all kinds of talents. You know, you're going to do a week. You're going to do a week. You're on vacation. You're, you know, um, basically overdrive goes on holidays for almost the whole summer. Those guys, right? they rotated. Sometimes all three of them are off. Sometimes two of the three are off. But the summer is when they take their break because they work all hockey season. Right. So you're going to get a lot of different voices, I think, on the air. Uh, and part of the audition process is always, well, let's see how you do for a week in the summer. And then when September comes, you know, we'll see if you're on our list. I think that's what's going to happen. What do you think the chances are we have a new, a new morning show on the Fan 590 uh, for Labor Day? Well, you're already going to have a new show because someone maybe is going to replace Hugh. I mean, you know, maybe not. I don't know. But I think the chances are probably mm, 75, 25. Now, another question. Do you have any uh, inside knowledge as to whether Greg Brady has been offered the uh, 640 morning show? Spot? I do not. Okay, interesting. We'll see where all these... Uh, and, 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 and we'll But get, as you know, Mike, summertime yeah. in radio yeah. is when... All the rumors get spread. Is this person coming back from holidays? Are they going to be back together again? How long have they been off the air for? You know, how long is Joey Vendetta going to be doing this show or that show or whatever? Roger Lajoie, is he going to, you just, so you could take all the announcers that you don't hear regularly, maybe the weekend announcers or the swing announcers, they call them, and see how often they're going to be on the air. Right. Or new people that you've never heard before that may be doing some on-air auditioning for a future position on these stations. Now, be very interesting. One thing that makes I'm, this all really interesting is how hesitant these stations are to actually pay for talent. Like, right. cause I know you've speculated about some big names like Dan O'Toole and uh, Natasha Stanchev, the name Stanchevsky? Stanishevsky. Stan Stanishevsky. And that was brutal. Anyway, uh, these are not cheap. This is not cheap talent. Like, I do think that they're trying to to fix something on the cheap, and I think it really does kind of bite them in the ass at the end. Well, of the that's day. what's happening in in all television sports. Uh, the story of Kenny Maine, who was at ESPN for many many years, and he told the story that uh, they offered him like forty percent of what he was making before, something like that, and it made his decision easy. So I, you know, I've done it for many years. It's uh, sure I'd like to work here, but I couldn't possibly go back to work for you mm -hmm. uh, after you think I'm worth 40% less or 60% less than I was making before. And so if that's the, the trend to try to get, you know, good people for cheap money, well, good luck to you. 
Let me ask you uh, your thoughts on one more person who has been a pay-as-you-go resource for decades, literally has been there for decades and decades because he's pay-as-you-go, and that's the cheapest for any company. Please tell me what you think of Roger Lejoie as a sports radio host. Roger Lejoie is the best fill-in weekend broadcaster you could get. Roger knows all the sports. Roger is can be controversial. He opens up phone lines. You want to talk auto racing, horse racing, tennis, golf, track and field, Olympics, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer. Roger's the guy. So he's your perfect swing man. He's your weekend guy. He's your, well, we need you for this or that. He's got a very flexible schedule and he's been mm -hmm. doing it for years. So why would you go off of someone like Roger? Now, if you're going to go into prime time and you're trying to draw big numbers, well, so you know why you, you go off advertising on dollars. Yeah, you know why you go only because this is the There's no advertising dollars on the weekends. You know that it's a dollar a holler the weekends. Yeah, I could right. buy an hour on any of those yeah. stations. Right. I could buy one hour. So just give me an hour. Tell me how much it is. Right. I'll go sell the inventory myself. Right. Right. I'll you know. You well, this pay, is you what know, this is what engineer. Taddy does. Taddy and uh, Lefko do that. On, sure. Uh, on I mean, you know, you could buy like, like, on any station. Pick a station. Yeah. On the AM dial on the weekend and say, I want Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Right. Sorry, we got Reverend Jimmy Swagger. Bullshit. <laughs> right. What about 10? Yeah, you can have 10. There's right. a golf show at 11 and there's a 12. You know, these two guys are doing a betting show. And by the way, Bill, what is it? C-126 passed? Single game sports betting now legal in Ontario. Woo-hoo-hoo! Or in Canada. Right. That means you can bet on the Leaf game only. Just the Leaf game. Right. You can bet the over-under, the total goals, who scores the first goal, who gets the first penalty, any exotic bet. Okay, I'm not happy with this at all. I'll, I'll discuss this in another show because okay. this is a personal well, thing is... to me. But 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 this is what's happening with sports now, man. Okay, but Lejoie, real quick, last point on Lejoie, uh, who yeah. is, by the way, who I've met and is a lovely gentleman. Like, this Great is a guy. very nice man. But this is a guy now in 2021 where when a young up-and-comer, I know someone at a, at, a, at a school or somebody trying to catch a break and get a bit of airtime to improve their game, basically, instead of them getting these shifts, they go to Roger Lejoie, who's literally been doing this for 40 years, pay-as-you-go resource. Right. It To me, it's a little bit like, okay... Give, let let an up and coming young person who's trying to crack the industry give them because uh, how Why? in the old days when the great Jeff Merrick and Strombo and uh, Makowitz Jr. got that time in the middle of the night because uh, Bob Mako Sr. gave it to them on the fan the, the game and look what happened out of that like you got to give these guys some airtime there's no time anymore for you to cut your teeth and and, and Lejoie keeps hogging well, it all what do you mean there's no time anymore for you to cut your teeth well there's no like you know everything's syndicated and re-rolled in, in, in the middle of the night like they don't have a late night vampire show or anything like that or, or the game as I referred to or what Jim Richards used to do on the fan back in the day with whatever but now nowadays uh, you've got only so many live unpaid spots and uh, whenever they need somebody it seems to be Lejoie steps in to take those shifts and it would be nice if a, a younger up and coming sports broadcaster were given an opportunity to work for cheap uh, for a couple hours on the fan 590. You know, you don't, you don't have that thought at all. Like you don't think like, like how, like stop hogging these shifts that could go to, I want someone who's experienced. I don't want to hear somebody that's learning the but ropes. You said it's a dollar. Like a, no, no, that's what you do in a small town. Go to Tilsonburg. Yeah. I'm not talking, I'm not talking the morning show. show until, you know? And then once you've got some experience, then you can come to Toronto and articulate your thoughts on the radio here. It wasn't, it wasn't always like that. Media wasn't always who's, like who's worked that. for the college radio station. Go get some experience in a small town. That's what the we'll week. That's the what the weekends and overnights are. That's or Kitchener, or Hamilton. 
They're gone. And then when they're you're all good sitting... enough, you can come to Toronto. Ross and Mike are on all the voices. stations. They're all gone. They do one show oh, at a time. Oh, you Toronto should be a radio programmer. Mike, you should be the program director. You know more about it than anyone else. I applied. Radio's I'm a dying I get industry. It. Who the hell is going to pay a fortune for a radio guy? Long live Who? Roger Lajoie. Long live Roger Lajoie. May he have Man. all the shifts for all eternity. All of them go to Roger now. Look, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not. Radio is very different nowadays. Podcasting is the way to go. Can I get back to my show now? Yeah, of course. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to edit out that rant. Not edit it out. I'm going to take that piece out, and I'm going to run that and say, Mike's rant about Roger Lajoie. No, I don't want to upset the man. He's very nice. He's a good guy. I'll tell you a story how I first met Roger. I was calling Toronto Maple Leafs inter-county baseball games yes. for Jack Dominico in 1981. And the official scorer was Roger Lejoie at Christie Pitts. Wow. <laughs> right? I mean, he'd give me a thumbs up if it was a hit, a thumbs down if it was an error, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, he's a hard worker. A and he's a yeah. bit official scorer at the Dome many, 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 oh, many times. times. Many yeah. Times. Awesome. Anyway, uh, let's get back to hockey here. Tampa and the Islanders. Yeah. For the right to face the Montreal Canadiens. Go at it tonight. Game seven in Florida. Uh, the cup final begins Monday in either Long Island or Tampa. Remember, the Habs had the worst regular season record of any team that made the playoffs. The worst. In baseball, the Blue Jays won a laugher over the Orioles last night. Nine nothing was the final. <laughs> the game was really over in the first inning. After Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hit his first grand salami, staking the Jays to a 6 nothing lead which made it easy for Anthony Kay, who struggled in the first two innings, left a lot of runners on base, but escaped like Houdini without allowing a run. In fact, he pitched five innings and struck out eight and allowed zero runs. It was the Jays' fifth win in a row. Vladdy got into the act with his league-leading 24th home run of the year. But the real catalyst should be recognized here. Alec Manoa, rookie pitcher, 6'6", 260. And of course, his mother is already a legendary figure, Mama Manoa. Anyway, Manoa, if you might recall, got suspended on the weekend for throwing at an Orioles hitter after he gave up consecutive home runs. He was ejected. He was suspended. He was ready to fight the entire Orioles team. And boy, did he light a fire under his own teammates, huh? Because they've yet to lose since that incident. And they're playing aggressive, aggressive, impressive baseball. Alec Manoa. He's a kid. Okay, not afraid to throw at people. Now, I know you're going, well, that's not baseball throwing. You could hurt somebody. Come on. You want to win? You want to intimidate the opposition? Keep the hitters off balance? Let them think that you might be a little wild with your 98-mile-an-hour fastball. They won't be digging in so fast against Alec Manoa. I love this kid. Love him. He's appealing the suspension, and he's going to face the Orioles tonight. Ooh, the Orioles again. Are these the guys that wanted to start a brawl with me? Let's go. I want to see if Manoa, first batter of the game, comes up and in a little chin music, maybe to the first couple of batters, just to let him know that I would love to see that's baseball. I do have one big concern though, Mike, it's the health of George Springer. Now, Charlie Montoyo says, no, no, Springer's hundred percent, but right. he's not hundred percent game ready. So that's why he's sitting. This was last night, right? He gave Springer the night off or did he, did Springer beg off? Is the quad bothering him? Is Charlie worried? Did Shapiro and Atkins say, no, 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 no. Don't play him more than two games in a row. Load management, like Kawhi. We don't want him hurting that quad again. What the fuck, man? Come on. He missed, what, 60, 70 games? And now two games in a row, he plays center field. He chases down one fly ball. That's it. He hasn't had a hit. You're facing the Orioles. 
the worst team in baseball. Why wouldn't you put Springer in as a DH and let him get three hits? I mean, there's your time. George, you're struggling a little bit. Go face this dude. Whatever his name was last night. I don't even remember. He gave up six runs in a third of an inning. He would have had an ERA of 162. <laughs> wow. Think about it. Right. You give up six runs in a third of an innings. That's 18 runs in an inning times nine innings. Wow. That's 162. His ERA of 162. Hear me Why out, not Hemzy. put Springer in there? Let's say they put Springer in there, and let's say he aggravates his uh, hammy or something. Okay, I don't know, oblique, whatever he's got going okay. on there. Okay, now you're on Hemsy right. on Sports on Friday morning saying, right. what the hell are they doing with this expensive asset? They should be load maintenance, load maintenance on this no, guy. No, I wouldn't say that. I'm saying it's pretty <laughs> obvious that whether it's his third game back or his fifth game back, he wasn't ready to come back. Right. So to giving him another so let day him off go slow he, because uh, let him go but slow. Wait, here. Mike, after, but here's the thing. He went to Buffalo and played, I don't know how many games for the Bisons, three or four games. Right. right? We showed the highlights for him. And then he joins the team earlier this week. Right. Right. And he plays two games in center field. He gets one fly ball in two games. He doesn't get a hit. And now Montoyo figures, let's give him the whole day off. Not, not let's just have him DH. Right. Let's give him the whole day off. Now, this right. was three days after Montoyo said, oh, he's not coming back into the lineup until he's 100% and he's going to play center field. He's not coming back into the lineup as a DH, right? So you naturally think that there is no, they, they waited an extra week just to make sure. And he's going to play every single game from now till the end of the season. You think Vladdy would ever accept a day off? Vladdy, you're going to rest today. No, no, let me just DH. No, no, you're going to rest completely. No way. Do you think any of these other guys would say, no, I, I need to take the day off? So I'm worried that Springer is not 100%. And they're going, shit, if we play him today and he hurts himself, so we have to rest him. And we have to hope that tomorrow he's going to be okay. So tonight. Oh, Hebsy, you froze if up. Springer's okay, playing right. center field tonight. You got it. You back? You're back now live? Yeah, you're back now. You went for like five seconds. One of those things. <laughs> I'll just so I'm yeah. concerned about George Springer. I don't believe he is 100%. I believe if he was, if he were 100%, was, were, then Montoyo, he would say, no, no, put me in the lineup, Charlie. I want to swing that bat. I want to, especially against the Orioles, man. I right. need to get the batting average up there. <laughs> so he's got to be hurt. Not after two games. It's not like he's a catcher. And he caught two games and he took a couple of foul tips off the mask and whatever and woozy and his back is bothering him. They're just taking it slow. They, they spent no. a lot of money on this individual. They've and taken just it taking slow it slow for three months with this guy. Let's go. <laughs> you told me this is a and development And if he's not year. healthy enough, let me know right now. If, right. if he's not healthy and he'll never be healthy, I want to know now. Well, you said like, I need to make other plans for my outfield. Because <laughs> Moose Grumpy says, uh, uh, she, what does he say? Uh, who cares about Springer over this guy? Like, does Moose, Moose Grumpy better get used to Springer? He's not going anywhere. Eventually, like Springer, in theory, eventually is healthy and is a key member of this team for years to come. When is here. he going to get healthy? How long? Has, I've never heard anyone take Did you that. give up I, on Al Leiter? Did you give up on Al Leiter when no, he had those blisters? No, this is a different story. See, here, here's the thing. Once they got him, once they signed him, obviously he had to pass a medical, a physical. So he passed the physical, right? And then it was quite apparent when he got to spring training that there was something wrong. Now, they could have opted for surgery. They could have said, geez, George, we got to get, or whatever, some procedure or something, not just rest, something. It's a quad. It's not his Achilles tendon that he, you know, that popped. And so I think in spring training, they knew something was wrong. So take it easy with George in spring training, whatever, he'll DH. Did anyone see him play set? Did it? I didn't see him play any center field, hardly at all. So 
okay, but he's $150 million man. He'd take his time, et cetera, et cetera. And we waited. And then the season began and he was on the IL. Why? Why is he on the IL? Well, he heard something in spring training. In spring training? He heard something in spring training? Like, come on. You sound like Alan Way Iverson. too many guys getting hurt in spring training. So I think he hurt himself in spring training. They could have gone for surgery. They said, no, 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 let's rest it. Because if we have surgery, then everyone's going to be on our case. And we'll rest it. And we'll bring him back. Oh, shit. We shouldn't have brought him back. Let's rest it. Rest it. Not surgery. Not acupuncture or anything like that. Not, not arthroscopic. Let's rest it. Rest it. Rest it. What month is it now, May? Rest it. What month is it now? June? Uh-uh. End of June. Okay, let's bring him back. But only for a couple of games. Then we got to rest it again. Is this going to be what's going to be with George all year long? Play two, rest one. Play three, rest one. Play center field for two, rest, DH. What? Come on. You're paying $150 million. The guy should play every inning of every game. Every inning of every game. Because he's missed 65 or whatever games. So anyway, last night, uh, DH was Vladdy. First baseman was Joe Panic, who's played all of four major league games at first. Mm-hmm. Now, it didn't matter because they won 9-0. But had it been a tight game, you know, which it wasn't, uh, I would have might have questioned this, this move. Again, I think Springer's hurt. That's just me. Also, I've been saying for weeks now that Reese McGuire should be your starting catcher. What are they fucking around with Riley Adams for? This kid is overmatched in the major leagues. And I don't care that Reese McGuire is being platooned. Let him, let him play against lefty pitchers. Man, the guy's hitting 324. Is every game, it's a, I think he's had multiple hits in like six of his last seven games. And he's a good catcher. He's throwing guys out on the bases. He's, a, a, he's worthy of the number one job. So stop with this lefty-righty thing and letting this Riley Adams hit against left-handed pitching. He strikes out all the time. Let McGuire be the full-time catcher. Do me a favor, okay? That's it. No more complaining about Charlie Montoya. Can't do it. The team's won five in a row. <laughs> I think they heard your rant last week, and they said, uh, fuck it. If we've lost Hebsey, we've lost everybody. Yeah, exactly. And you look exactly. at this turnaround. Yeah. And let's not forget that the team they're playing, the Orioles, yeah. are the worst yeah. team. They've lost 20 consecutive road games. Can you understand? what 20 in a row. And they're not even the worst team like the, in the league because the Arizona Diamondbacks in the National League have lost 23 in a row on the road. Now, I never knew that home field advantage was such an advantage in baseball. I know in basketball, it's huge. Yeah. I know in football, it's big. Hockey, maybe. It depends on the crowds. But in baseball, 20 in a row on the road? That's a bad team. <laughs> Alec Manoa tonight. By the way, hey, hey the Chicago Cubs, a no-hitter last night. The first combined no-hitter in franchise history. They used four pitchers to blank the Dodgers 4-0. That's the seventh no-hitter in baseball this year, tied for the most ever in one season in the modern era. And it's early. However, Mike, (laughs) we've had this no-hitter controversy going all year because when Madison Bumgarner threw a seven-inning no-hitter earlier this year, it was not recognized as an official no-hitter. Right. Should then a combined no-hitter where more than one pitcher combined for to no hit the opposition should that be recognized as an official no hitter i guess my question is why not same with Bumgarner. i said the same thing why not i mean if he couldn't pitch any more innings than seven yeah that's a tough why, one then if that shouldn't be recognized what if a guy hits for the cycle in a seven inning game does he get an extra you, ding 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 because he did it no in a seven he, inning he, game he, he a gets nine? a cycle obviously but i will say though anyway. if, if you allow seven inning games to be a no hitter it 
substantially lowers the bar here. I think we're we're trying to keep this accomplishment, even though seven times this year it doesn't sound as special as it used to. Although the Jays still only have one in their entire franchise history, but uh, so it's still pretty. Damn I don't rare. like combined no hitters. I mean, it's great that you no hit the opposition, but come on, with if one guy does it, it's, to me, it's a real no hitter, a complete game no hitter. That's just me. You're tough but fair. But look, Madison Gar- Madison Bumgarner pitched a complete game no hitter this year. It was seven innings, but it was a complete game. How is that not as good as equal to four different pitchers combining for a nine inning no hitter? Because and of that's the, it. Yeah, that's he's missing argument. two innings. I hear you, but it's unfortunate. Bad, bad timing on his part. Right. New rules in baseball. You've seen it already. I'm sick of it. The umps take the pitcher aside after yeah. an inning and check him for foreign substances. Now, this is like when I first started watching wrestling and the Sheik or one of those villains right. would have a foreign object stuffed in his trunks, right? Would pull it out, gouge the opposition. The guy would start bleeding, yeah. right? He'd stick it back in his trunks. And then the referee, Tiger <laughs> Tasker, would come out, you know, he's already in the ring and say, all right, let me, checking him. And he'd have his, put your palms up, put your palms down, right. give him a little pat down kind of a thing, you know? Right. Not like the TSA officers at the airport. Right. Not the full body cavity search or anything like that. Just a little tap, tap, tap. Right. And and the crowd would be screaming. It's in his trunks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in his trunk. They'd be screaming <laughs> at the referee who would be like oblivious to their screams. Right. And they he would check everywhere but the trunks. Right. Meanwhile, the other guy's <laughs> bleeding. Well, that's right. what this reminds me of when they the pitcher comes off the mound. Now, some of the pitchers like Max Scherzer, they asked him like three times. And I didn't know and no one did that. The manager is allowed to ask the umpires to check a pitcher. Right. So Joe Girardi of the Phillies says, uh, check Bumgarner for like the third time. And Bumgarner's like, I, he's ready to take his pants off. Right. He takes off his cap. Touch my hair. Go ahead. I got nothing. I got nothing. It was a whole thing. Wow. So the first couple of days, these pitchers are coming off. And the umps are, you know, it's, that doesn't happen in the dugout. It happens in, in plain view. Right. And it's very accusatory, Mike. Right. It's accusatory. Sure. It's like you're pulling someone over for speed. I wasn't speeding. You were speeding. It's like the George, I wasn't speeding. It's like the George right? Brett. Or you got uh, drugs in the car. I don't have any drugs in the car. We think you have drugs in the car. Stop your car. Right. Get out of the car. Right. People are going to drive by going, what's going on with that guy there? Right. We think you might have drugs. This is right. like, we think you might have a foreign substance. Right. It's very accusatory. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially if you're a pitcher who just gave up two runs. Right. Right. And three hits. And you walked a couple guys and you're pissed and you're coming off the field. And now, as if you don't feel bad enough, here's the umps. All right. Let's take a look. Dude, do you think I would have, if I had a foreign substance, would I be giving up fucking home runs? No. Right. You got to give that guy a pass. You, any pitcher that gives up a bunch of runs, you just say, just keep going. Now, strike out the side on nine pitches. I want to have a look. But he just, I forget who the pitcher was, this poor guy. And he's like, he takes off his belt. He right. goes to drop his drawers. He's like, you can see him gesticulating. Well, I didn't do anything. This is a dumb rule. Okay. If you're going to have a rule like this, start it at the beginning of the season. Tell everybody in spring training what the deal is. Let the crowds, let the fans get used to something like this. Don't introduce it in the middle of a season. Mm-hmm. Right? This should be applied starting next year so everyone's familiar with it and everyone's properly prepared. Baseball just keeps shooting itself in the foot with these dumb rules. I come to see a baseball game, not a four-hour exhibition with umpires. You know, I, I know all the umpires Sergio now. Sergio Romo. I know them because they – Sergio Romo. Because they keep these umpires keep missing balls and strikes by by a mile. When Dan Shulman goes, oh my God, like I can't believe he called that a strike. 
right? That's usually a modicum of, you know, civility. And just, okay, sure. give him a bit. It was a little outside. It could have been called a strike. Right. But when it's that far outside and Dan Shulman goes, oh, my God, what was he watching? <laughs> and then they have a close-up of the umpire who, you know, who, who's blown. How about that up the other night who blew three calls at first base? Three of them. The dude takes his foot. Uh, what's his name? Aguilar takes his foot off the bag on a ground ball, tries to cheat it. And he takes his foot off the bag well in advance um, before he catches the ball. And the ump's like, you know, the ump's like, he's out. And everyone's like, he's out. Like everyone knew at the time the ump completely blew the call. Then he blew another call. So the umpiring's been terrible too. It's all been shit. Quick comment I'm going to read from Chris F. Grave, who says there's more F-bombs than an Andrew, D- Andrew Dice Clay show this morning. So he loves that you're working blue. Paul Hockyard says that makes for great TV. And I just want to say hi to a couple of people who have been helping out here. Uh, Angela MTF, hello to you. And I, Sinclair Russell, is here. And again, if anybody's listening to the podcast right now, and there's many of you, uh, we are live every Friday at 9.20 Eastern on Hebsey's YouTube page. So go find Live from Toronto with Hebsey's live stream and subscribe and then get notified every Friday morning when we go live. Thank you, Toronto Mike. (laughs) Euro 2020, which should have taken place last year, but well, you know. It's still called Euro 2020 because when they printed the T-shirts, like millions of them, you can't go back. So right. it's still Euro 2020. It's been pretty exciting so far, especially in my neighborhood. I live in Little Italy. And we're in the knockout stage now, which means you lose and you're gone. So right. tomorrow it's Wales against Denmark. And then Italy battling Austria. It's going to be wild. It's going to be nuts down here on College Street. Then on Sunday, mm-hmm. the Netherlands versus Czech Republic. And then Portugal and Belgium, which should be wow. a dandy effect. Wow, Belgium's look good. Barn burner. Ronaldo yeah, could set oh, yeah, the record be, if he gets uh, one and then more. Monday, yeah. what's that? I think Ronaldo needs one more to set some uh, some record he for does. most goals. And yeah, yeah, some record. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, I can't remember the specifics of everything, but it's definitely uh, most goals in it's a most, Euro. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. it's most goals in the Euro. Tuesday. Oh, sorry, Monday. Croatia, Spain, and France against Switzerland. And then Tuesday, England versus Germany. Wow. Wow. Write that down. Speaking of dream matchups, that's Tuesday. That's and a World Sweden War II redux, Ukraine. I think. That's like, uh, Ooh, it's going to be big. So, yep, soccer, very exciting stuff. NBA playoffs now in the Western Conference final. The LA Clippers beat Phoenix 106 92, 27 points from Paul George. Kawhi's still out, but the Clippers, you know, they fall behind 2 0 in every yeah. series and they come back and win. They might do it again. In that game finish four, of game two. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, the Fantastic. Unbelievable. Game four tomorrow night in LA as the Clips look to even the series. In the East, the Atlanta Hawks look to go up two zip on Milwaukee tonight in Wisconsin. Oh, what did you think of the uh, game seven Nets and uh, Bucks? Uh, I, what, <laughs> I quite a finish. Like, I, I thought that Nets team was kind of like, like loaded here and ready to go. And then oh, they were threw up that. Kyrie Irving was out and Harden yeah. was playing like on one leg. Yeah, chew that. And Kevin Durant's three-pointer was actually a two-pointer. <clears throat> if, if he didn't have size 16 feet, he would that shot would have been a three-pointer. They would have won the game and won the series. Right. And they would be playing Milwaukee, or they would be playing um, Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. But quite the finish there anyway. I thought it was that was great. Um, so we've got a terrific Final Four this year. Uh, all new teams, basically. Uh, look, the Bucks last won the title in 1971 with Kareem Jabbar. right. I don't even think he was Kareem Abdul. No, he wasn't. He might have just been Kareem Jabbar. Oh, and the Hawks. Wasn't he Lou Alcindor with the Bucks? It was Lou Alcindor. Right. His first year with Milwaukee was Lou Alcindor. Okay, gotcha. First year. Gotcha. Alcindor. 
And then he changed his name to Kareem Jabbar. Okay. Um, the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks originated in St. Louis mm. in 19. Well, they won in 1958. They won the NBA title. Wow. One of the rare times the Boston Celtics didn't win. Right. Uh, that would have been the St. Louis Hawks with Bob Pettit. Uh, so none of the four teams, the Suns, Phoenix Suns, LA Clippers, who used to be the Buffalo, who used to be the San Diego Clippers. And before that, the Buffalo Braves, your team, that franchise has never won a championship, nor have the Phoenix Suns. Wow. They've made it to two finals. And um, there you go. Uh, golf now. Before we get to the Pro Tours, let me remind you that Crosswinds Golf and Country Club should be your first choice for public golf in Southern Ontario. Take the short trip to Burlington. Check them out. Fabulous golf, billion-dollar views, and the nicest people you'll ever meet. I'm playing there tomorrow. I'm playing there on Canada Day as well. It's my choice. Check them out. Crosswindsgolf.com. There you go. On the PGA Tour, it's the Travelers Championship in Connecticut. Connecticut. Mm -hmm. I never could figure out how they got that name. <laughs> it's Connecticut, but it's Connecticut. Right. It's like Strawn Avenue. Strachan yeah, Avenue. Yeah, right. Al Avenue. Strachan Strawn Avenue, Avenue, I think they call it. Yeah. So uh, the field is already out there for the second round, so I'm not going to give you any updates here. Let's just say Mackenzie Hughes from Dundas, Ontario, who has played crosswinds before, is at three under par, four back of the leaders. Burlington's Michael Gligich, who for sure has played crosswinds, is in the hunt along with Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, David Hearn, and Roger Sloan. The ladies are playing the LPGA Championship in Georgia. Hamilton's Elena Sharp fired a 300 par 69, just two back of the lead. Not a good day, though, for Brooke Henderson, who managed a two over par 74. She was tied for 61st after the opening 18. Her sister, Brittany, uh, is on the bag this week. She had some visa issues last week and could not uh, be with Brooke. And she's on the bag. And oh. I don't know, two over 74 with your sister on the bag. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Here's this. My big question did is better uh, last week with some stranger on the bag. Hamilton's Elena Sharp. Any relation to the great Iron Mike Sharp? No. The boxer? No, wrestler. Oh, the wrestler Iron Mike Sharp. Right, right. Iron Mike Sharp. Oh, that Mike Sharp. Right. He's the strongest man in the world or something, wasn't he? Well, at least that's how he was billed, as I recall, with Jack Tunney presents at Maple Leaf Gardens there. Yeah, Maple Leaf Wrestling. <laughs> Jack Tunney used to come by and always drop off tickets. When I worked at CKFH, Foster Hewitt Station, we were right at uh, Grenville Street and, and Young, right at Young and College. Young Carlton, of course. It's called Carlton on the east side. Of right. Just Young and College on the west side. <laughs> so stupid. Right. So Frank would drop by because Maple Leaf Wrestling was right on College Street there, right on Carlton Street across from the gardens. And he'd drop by with tickets, you know, and then here's the card this week. Here's who's fighting. Bruno San And if Martino. you could mention it, never pay. I don't believe he ever had to pay. Right. You know, we were more than happy to accept the free tickets and, uh, you know, give him a little mention. You know, Sweet Daddy Seeky this week on Maple Leaf Wrestling. Yeah, he's a great singer, I'm hearing. Yeah, like, uh, yeah he's awesome. Because I had the mouth on this week. The mouth was uh, on the Pro Toronto mic, and we talked about him uh, catching him do karaoke every once a week or something. He's still singing. Yeah, he's got a place out, out in the East End. Right, right. Mr. Irresistible. Wow. Sweet Daddy Seeky. He was great. He was a heel, <laughs> and then he became a good guy. Oh, and the billing for Iron Mike Sharp was Canada's Greatest Athlete. That there was you go, the Canada's billing. Greatest Athlete, yeah. Iron Mike Sharp. All right, and tennis Wimbledon starts Monday. We'll be keeping an eye on the likes of uh, Bianca Andreescu, Denis Shapovala, Felix Ojeda-Aliassime. I think did Brownich pulled out, didn't he? Anyway, Bianca lost earlier this week on grass at Eastbourne in her second round match. Would love to see Bianca on her game for Wimbledon, and she got a chance this uh, this year too. Naomi Osaka has withdrawn. Rafael Nadal withdrawn. Stan Wawrinka has withdrawn. Um, oh, what am I saying? Simona Halep. Never, never mind Osaka. Simona Halep, the defending champ, has withdrawn. Wow. And uh, U.S. Open champ Dominic Thiem has withdrawn. 
wide open field this year at Wimbledon. Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer were placed on opposite sides of the Wimbledon bracket in the draw today, meaning they cannot meet until the final. That would be a rematch of their epic 2019 showdown. That would be cool. By the way, Shapo has announced that he will not play for Canada in the Olympic Games. Safety reasons. What do you think, Mike? Not playing for his country. Good move? I uh, I wish he was playing because I'd, I'd love to see him represent Canada. Like, that would be awesome. Would but... you be comfortable going to um, Tokyo? If he's, if he's, and I'm sure he is, if he's double. No, no, would you? If I, yeah, well, yeah, if I'm double, I'm double vaxxed. Okay. Yeah, I'm double vaxxed now. I would uh, take some precautions and I would be comfortable. Sure, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm indifferent here. Let I mean, me ask you, have you this. Personal choice. And I don't think, to be honest with you, I, <laughs> and I can't speak for Danny, I don't think it, the, the be all and end all for him is winning an Olympic gold medal in tennis. I'm sure he would love to, but what it would take for him to, to travel there, the precautions. He's already been in a bubble, uh, some type of a bubble, being on the men's tour. Certainly last year they were confined, hotels, stuff like that. So I don't know. No. But anyway, that's his choice. And I don't sure, no, and that's his choice. him right. for that at all. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say that the, the as we're learning, you know, here we are in our Petri dish, learning things as we go. The, uh, the vaccines are really holding up well against these variants, uh, particularly with the symptoms being severe enough for hospitalization. So, yeah, you might you might still get COVID double vax, but you'd probably get the symptoms would be so mild that they're not going to put your life in any jeopardy or anything. Right. So I think I think if you're double vaxxed and I'm double vaxxed, like I would not have a problem recording with you in the basement here. Like that's that's where I'm at with. Uh, double but if vax. you go to a place where where you like, what if someone says, yeah, I'm double vaxxed and they're not double vaxxed and there's no passport or but vaccine it's, passport. It's seen, you're like, right. I, I can't prove sure. to anyone that I had two doses of Pfizer. Oh, you don't have the, like, uh, I can't receipts? say here's my receipt for oh, Pfizer. Oh. It doesn't say it, that it was oh. Pfizer on the second receipt. Oh, okay. Mine does. Like I have the first receipt that says Pfizer, but the second one in no place, no place does it say Pfizer. Hmm, interesting. So I mean, what if someone says you got to prove that you got a double Pfizer? I, I can't. So anyway, that's, sure, and in but, Japan, yeah. very um, few people have been, or a very small percentage have been fully vaccinated. Anyway, he makes up his own. See, it's, it's a, now, we, we had a strange thing though. That's like, okay. Cause I saw Brian Gerstein here said he would prefer no Canadian tennis players go to uh, the Olympics, but meanwhile, selfish. Yeah. I, but can, like, let's say we thought the same thing about somebody like DeGrasse. Okay. Andre DeGrasse, like, oh, you know, I'm not going to go because wouldn't wouldn't you be disappointed because uh, like DeGrasse, no. this is the 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 no. the event no. for him. Not this year. I'd mm. be honest with you. The Olympics aren't that important to me this year. Like, if you choose not to go, I'm, I'm OK with it. Uh, in fact, I don't know if I would go either. I don't know if I would want to go. I think if I wanted to go to the Olympics, you know, and I trained my whole life, I sure would want to go, uh, you know, in, in, with everyone out in full force. In front of a but full it's every four years, you know, that. your window. I get it. Of, you I get know, it. Especially DeGrasse. Like, this is it. No, like, it. this is the moment I, for Andre DeGrasse. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm as excited. I, now, having said that, the closer we get to the Olympic Games, I may change my mind. But right now, I'm, I'm not okay. buying the hype. But we're all watching these Euros and there's like these full stands of people going nuts. And, and we're not, we have no concerns, right? Like, we're excited to watch this. Like, I don't know quite why we're all freaking out of the Olympics and we're watching this huge european event take place with massive well, we're not freaking out okay this somebody, is the entire world is. and this is the country of japan are the ones who are very concerned if they're concerned wouldn't you be concerned like if they say we're concerned that people are coming into our country and we're not fully vaccinated here would you not be concerned too going oh geez if in japan only whatever 15 percent have been vaccinated right sure anyway okay big bubble especially what you've been through the past <laughs> year and a half 
So up to each individual. Cool. All right. Less than 24 hours after ESPN's Jay Williams inaccurately said that it took the Boston Celtics 75 years to hire a head coach of color, his colleague at ESPN, Jalen Rose, falsely claimed that the NBA is afraid to send an all-black team to the Olympics. Rose admits he's quite bothered that Kevin Lowe made Team USA. In fact, he called Kevin Lowe, quote, a token. Kevin Lowe is on the team because of tokenism, said Rose. Don't be scared to make an all-black team representing the United States of America. I'm disappointed by that. Uh, Jalen, rather than fan the flames of racism from your pulpit, get your facts straight. The 2016 U.S. Olympic team was all black. Or had you forgotten, Jalen? Not a white person to be found. No token whites. And by the way, Kevin Lowe has come out publicly on many occasions to talk about mental health issues of which he is a sufferer. And I think that this is real disgusting, dastardly thing to do to someone who, through no fault of his own, a white man and a pretty darn good basketball player and deserving of a position on the U.S. Olympic team. You know, were you saying that Christian Leitner shouldn't have been on Team USA in 1992? Okay, he was a college player and never played a day in the pros. I get that. But in this case here, Kevin Love, he played, he played multi-all-star player. Oh. And so for him to have to read... Jalen Rose, a black man, saying that the choice of love was for tokenism and he didn't earn it on merit is not a good look at all. It really is not. Can you imagine if a white commentator said that the inclusion of P.K. Subban to the Canadian team meant that he was a token? You couldn't do it. Not the same thing. And that Canada wouldn't, should be scared to send an, shouldn't be scared to send an all-white team? The point of the matter is this. He got his facts wrong. He got all excited about something that he had no reason to be because they've already sent an all black team. And why single out Kevin love in your anger that the U S is afraid to send an all black team. They're not afraid to send it. They already did. He got it wrong. I've seen a lot of this lately, Mike. Yesterday I had to correct a journalist who said that Jackie Robinson held the all time record for stealing home all over Twitter. Wrong. It was a white man, Ty Cobb. In fact, a noted racist. Right. Ironically, Ty Cobb holds the record. But that's factually incorrect. So people in a certain position of authority, uh, journalists, people that have a, a, a pulpit to speak from, that are spewing lies, yeah, is, is just fanning the flames of racism. Jalen, you're wrong. You've already sent an all-black team. Why go off on Kevin Lowe? Why, why, why do this? Why not talk basketball? Like, why do I need to hear social commentary from people like, like Stephen A. Smith, for example? He's always talking about race. He's always trying to get viewers to be suspicious of white people and their intentions. And I find it to be offensive, even though I like hearing the opinions of these guys when it comes to sports. I'd rather not, I'd rather not hear their opinions on on what they think of whites versus blacks. Every white coach that gets announced in the NBA, Stephen A. Smith lists all the black candidates that should have gotten the job. I wonder if it's just an ESPN thing. I wonder if he's just trying to be divisive without a foundation of facts. But 
a lot of this talk has been very militant lately. It's been very black and white, literally. Why this white person is the way they are and, and how that's affected the way blacks are being viewed in sports, general managers, managers, coaches, uh, full teams. Just the fact that he looked at the team and said, wait a minute, what's a white guy doing there? Bothers me that you're looking at it that way. The best talent should have the job. Shouldn't have anything to do with it. And look, I can't do anything about the past. I can't do anything about it. I'm sick about it. I'm sick about what they're finding in First Nations all over Canada. Sick about it. But does that mean that I, I'm, I'm not proud to be a Canadian? I'm less proud. But my whole day doesn't revolve around the fact that, you know, this country, you know, committed genocide. Especially when I'm talking about sporting events. It's, just, it's, it's supposed to be an escape. That's just me. Now, Jalen Rose, a provocative commenter, uh, might have got it wrong because, as you pointed out, and you did your homework, no, did and saw, yeah, he he got it, it wrong. Get so, twenty sixteen was right. all black. So, America clearly is not afraid to, you know, put a, a all black team clearly. on the court. So, why bring something like that up? Why? Well, because well, Clint Bubba O'Neill makes a good point on the the live chat. Hello, hello, Clint. Glad you're feeling better. Hey, but he, he just says that Kevin Lowe's not even a top fifty player in the NH and and I almost said the NHL, but he's definitely not a top fifty player in the NHL. But he's also not a top fifty player in the NBA. No, but that doesn't matter. If you're selecting a team, you need a you need complementary players. They may not be the best player in the league, but they may be the type of player that complements the rest of your team. So that if you put Kevin Lowe out, Kevin Love out there, and he's the perfect complement for, I don't know, pick up Russell Westbrook or whatever, because they work sure. well together, or he's great on the the high low pass, or whatever the case. He doesn't have to be a great individual player. In fact, if you were to take the best individual players. You may not have much of a team because everybody wants the ball. Sure. But and so yeah. it, do, it doesn't matter if he's not top 50. Sure. It doesn't. Now, if, if Bubba is saying that the reason Kevin Lowe was selected was because they had to have a white guy, I want to hear that discussion. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Jalen Rose is is forcing us to have the discussion. Like, it might not be comfortable and you might think Why he's he out to lunch. forcing us to have it? Why do we well, need to have We just had it. Well, like, why do we need we to? We literally right now, us and our listenership are now thinking about, yeah. is Kevin Love there because of the color of his skin? And I think that was the whole point of Jalen Rose. Like, that's why I'm glad he brings that to the table so that we can discuss. And maybe we no, think he's wrong because no. 2016. You don't need to bring that up, that he's a token white. Very but the, how else do you correct, like, literally decades and decades and decades you, of suppression and oppression? Like, what, what correction would be made? Like, for example, if they replaced Kevin Love with a black player, would that be a correction? Any black player? It depends on whether whether Kevin Love was selected because of some inherent systemic racism that meant that you didn't want to field or sorry, field court an all black wow, team, right? Wow! It's so now we're going to question every move made by every executive that chose a team. No, Jalen Rose is questioning that decision, and we're talking about it, which Jaylen I think Rose is, is uh, wrong important. Because Jalen Rose said that America is afraid to put an all-black yeah, team Yeah, but Jalen Rose can be wrong about he that wrong. and still be correct that Until Kevin Love is there because he's a white man. And apologizes to Kevin Love for even suggesting that, God forbid, he's not good enough to make this team. Sorry, man. Take a pass. Do something else. Pick on somebody else. Really. All right. We're about to wrap it up. But here's why geography is very important, Mike. Very important in sports. A group of French football fans managed to miss their team's Euro 2020 game against Hungary on the weekend after not only traveling to the wrong stadium, but the wrong country completely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> These French fans. Anyway, their team was playing in the Hungarian capital of 
Budapest, Budapest, last Saturday afternoon. But these six directionally challenged idiots who worked together board, got drunk, boarded a flight that morning that landed more than 500 miles away in the Romanian capital of Bucharest. I'd like a flight to Bucharest, please. Did you say Budapest or Bucharest? <laughs> so Budapest, Bucharest, hey, they missed the team's game. They were wondering why when they were in Bucharest that there were fans of another country. I can't think what it was. Austria, maybe. And they were, oh, what are you guys doing here? Geez, that's funny that Austrians would be at a Hungary game. And they followed these Austrian fans to the game and then realized that they were in the wrong stadium in the wrong country because the French weren't playing. Very funny. Right? And they ended up watching it on TV. Now, Mike, have you ever gone to a place, like taken a trip or whatever, ventured somewhere, thinking you were going somewhere, and finding out that you're in completely the wrong place. Never. Have you? Never. No. <laughs> no, no. Like, I mean, once oh. I was flying from uh, L.A. to Oakland, and when I said Oakland, the lady thought I said Auckland, like Auckland, New oh, Zealand, no. because I have a Canadian accent, or so she said. She said, did you say Auckland? I said, no, o- Oakland. She goes, Oakland, California. I go, yeah. She goes, oh, because I, I thought you might have said Auckland. Right. Said, no. <laughs> Thanks for that, because I didn't want to fly to New Zealand. But other than that, I just think it's hysterically funny. And that's my kicker. That's it. Got nothing else. That's the tweet. Woo! Yeah. And by the way, folks, please, listen for commentators when they say, oh, see that ball player there? He loves the game. Oh, he loves playing the game. (laughs) No kidding. Really? You don't have to say that. Please don't tell me when you're talking about a particular player how much he or she loves the game. It's a given. Thank you. That's it for episode 238 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Thanks to our great sponsors, crosswindsgolf.com and manscaped.com. Use the promo code Hebsey to get 20% off your order. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped.com. And y'all be golfing at Crosswinds this weekend, weather permitting. So if you see me out there, say hello. And uh, have a fantastic weekend. Mike, you have a great weekend, too. You too, buddy. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Uh, Thanks for listening. Back with another exciting episode. Controversial episode. (laughs) Racist-filled, accusatory episode. Wow. Flame-fanning episode. Wow. Hebsey on sports. That's next week. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.